When I was younger, I really wanted people to like me. And now I'm old and I don't care. <laughs> Amen. And all the old people said, Amen. You know what? I care. Listen, I care. I want people to like me. But, um, man, when I was young, I was just so desperate for people to like me and approve of me and love me. And I can remember doing a lot of stuff that I didn't even want to do. And I just did it so that other people would like me. I think I just wanted to be loved that much. Do you ever see anybody do something like that? You ever see somebody in your life that does something maybe that they don't even want to do, but they just want to be loved, and so they do it? Or maybe you have experienced this thing of just wanting to be loved so much that you do things that you don't even want to do, maybe even things that you think are wrong just so that you'll be loved by other people. Why do, why do we do that? Why do we do that? I think it's because we're, we're created, we're, we're wired, we're designed with this built-in, like a need, like a yearning. Like, just like we want food, and just like we want water, we want to be loved. And, and you know what else? We want to fit in, don't we? We want to be accepted, don't we? Don't you want to fit in? Do you, ever, do you ever do anything just so that you would fit in? You ever talk a certain way or drive a certain car, dress a certain way? Do you ever, like, I don't know, maybe to adopt a hairstyle or something just because you wanted to, and it wasn't because you thought it looked good, right? Do we have any 60s survivors in the house here? A lot of you know Guy. I've got a picture of him back in the 60s. Let's show that picture of Guy. There he is. Uh, I mean, really, Guy, come on. No, nobody thought that looked good, right? The only reason we dressed like that was because we wanted to fit in, right? We wanted to be like everybody else. We wanted to be accepted. Are there any ladies of the 70s here? Any of you adopt the big Farrah Fawcett hairstyle? where you'd barely fit on the, there it is. Her face is in there. You just got to really look. Come, why? Why? Because we just, wanted to, we just wanted to fit in, right? We can even be honest. Is there anybody here that went through a little bit of a punk phase at some point in your history? Maybe you did something like, anyone? Anyone? Or you're just not being honest? Got to be honest in church. Nobody? couple <laughs> probably online there's a lot of those weirdos how about uh how about the goth thing did anybody here do that morticia did anybody did anybody do the goth deal why would anybody ever do that and now i want to ask you a question and in church we're supposed to be transparent with ourselves right we're supposed to get out the mirror right and we're supposed to look at who we really are and what we've really done let me ask you is there anybody here who has a mullet in your past is there anybody who ever, come on. Some of you are wearing one right now, and that's okay. The question is why, right? Why would we do that? And I think there's a reason. I think we just, we just want to fit in, right? We just we want to be accepted. And maybe you, you know, didn't do those hairstyles, but have you ever acted a certain way or, like, dressed a certain way? or carried a certain purse, or wore a certain watch. 
Um, I can remember a time uh, before ministry uh, when I got a Rolex watch because there was a group of men that I really wanted to be accepted by, and they all wore Rolexes, so I thought that's what I should do so that I could fit in, so that I could be accepted, and I couldn't really afford one, so I bought a used Rolex, and I wore that thing, and it never even kept good time, man, but I was so proud of that stupid watch. Um, have you ever done something like that? Have you ever done something that maybe wasn't that great? Or maybe it was even something that you thought was wrong, but you just did it so that you could fit in. Why do we do that? And I think it's because inside of each one of us, there's this, there's this thing where we're designed for it. We're created for it. It's wired into us to belong and to be accepted. And it's like, if I do what everyone else is doing, if I dress like everyone else dresses and talk like everyone else talks and drive what they drive and live where they live and wear what they wear, then maybe I'll be accepted and people will accept me. We all, we all want to be loved and we all want to be accepted. And you know what else? We all want to matter. I think that's like in us. We, we want to do something that's important, you know? We want, we want to make a mark. We want to, we want to be part of something that's bigger than us. We want to have purpose in our life, right? In fact, I think that is such a need in us to do something that's purposeful, do something that's meaningful, to do something that matters, that's important with our lives, that some of us become so desperate for that that we will adopt a cause and just be all about this important thing we're doing, and some of the stuff is not even really that important, but yet we throw our whole lives into it. I read about an organization uh, in New York, of all places, uh, that spent $200,000, $200,000 renovating a building that was gonna be the headquarters for their initiative for better treatment of lobsters. Lobsters, lobsters. And I like lobsters, but in a different way, right? It, some, somebody's life work is advocating for the rights of bugs, right? Giant crawdads. How desperate are people for a cause? How desperate are people to have purpose in their life when they think that is something that they should just throw themselves at? I read that in Switzerland, they're working on a bill of rights for plants. Chew on that for a second. A bill of rights for plants. And I'm not saying plants don't have rights. No, I am saying that. I am saying that. Plants don't have rights. They're plants. But I think a bigger thing is, why is, why is it that people would, would invest in that? Why would people throw their lives at that? And I think it's because everyone wants purpose. I think we want to feel like we're doing something bigger than us. I think we want to feel like we're doing something that matters in the world. I think that along with being loved and being accepted, I think we're all designed to crave purpose in our lives. And so we will go to these extreme links. We'll do these weird things just to find love and just to find acceptance and just to find purpose. And it, it's actually hard to live a life that is abundant and a life that is happy and, and productive and meaningful without love and without acceptance, and without purpose. And maybe there's somebody here today that's tired of just trying so hard to be loved. Maybe there's somebody here today or watching online that's just tired of trying so hard to be accepted. Maybe there's somebody here today that's just 
so tired of trying so hard to matter, to do something important. And if so, man, I have got some great news for you. And maybe God brought you here today for a reason. For the last seven weeks, we've been going through the New Testament and through a video series called The Chosen. And we've seen stories of people that experience love and acceptance and purpose when they encountered Jesus. We saw kids that experienced his love. He didn't want anything from them. He didn't need anything from them. He just wanted to love them. And when they encountered Jesus, they experienced love. We saw the story of Mary Magdalene experiencing his love when she encountered Jesus. Maybe my favorite scene in this whole thing was when Jesus calls her and he says, I have called you by name. You are mine. And maybe for the first time ever, she experienced love, what she'd been looking for her whole life. We saw Matthew experience acceptance because nobody accepted Matthew. Nobody liked Matthew. Even his own family rejected him. But when Jesus called him, Matthew finally, for the first time maybe ever, Matthew finally experienced acceptance. And we saw Simon experience real purpose. Right, because for, I think for a while, Simon maybe thought that his purpose was just being a brother or just being a husband or a son or a fisherman or a provider. But when he encountered Jesus, he was called to a higher purpose, to become a fisher of men. And it seems like all who were chosen to encounter Jesus experienced love and acceptance and purpose. And today is the, the last in this series, and once again, we're gonna see someone who was chosen to encounter Jesus and to experience his love and his acceptance and his purpose. So take a look at this. Give me a drink. Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, would you ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman? I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out noon in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water if, if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would, except that you have nothing to throw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? 
Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. <sighs> exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him, even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <sighs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married, but he wasn't a good man. He hurt you, and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You 
picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? <laughs> I am rejected by others. I know. But not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promised. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> I love the look on his face when he's talking to that woman. Uh, this story is actually in John chapter 4. And this lady was the trifecta man. She experienced love and acceptance and purpose in just one encounter with Jesus. She experienced love. I mean, Jesus went just for her. He talked to her, and he listened to her, and he asked her for a drink of water, and he offered her living water. He didn't, he didn't need anything from her. You know, people have this idea, well, he wanted to drink a water. You know what? I think Jesus was okay with water. Jesus walked on water. Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus created water, right? He didn't, he didn't need anything from her. He didn't want anything from her. He just wanted to love her. And that, I think, was a new experience for her. Uh, some of us old folks remember Mickey Gilley's song, right? She was looking for love in all the wrong places. Uh, five marriages, and now living with a man that wasn't her husband. But just, just by meeting Jesus, just by encountering him, she experienced his love. And she also experienced acceptance. That was really weird um, with these two cultures kind of colliding right there. You know, Jews did not like Samaritans. Um, they saw them as the enemy. They saw them as uh, traitors. And uh, Jews would never, ever in those days be, even be in the same room with a Samaritan. In fact, one of the Jewish traditions was that a Jew would never eat from a plate that a Samaritan had eaten from, no matter how many times it had been washed, because they saw them as dirty and defiled and ugly, and they would have nothing to do with them. Plus, she was a woman. A Jewish rabbi in the first century would never talk to any woman in public, not even his own wife. So a Samaritan woman, just forget it. Plus, she wasn't just a woman. She was a sinful woman. Right? She probably was there in the heat of the day because the other women of the town were ashamed to be seen with her because of her reputation as a sinner. So there was lots of reasons for Jesus not to accept her. Plus, she was kind of snotty to him, right? So she was shocked that Jesus would even talk to her. In verse 9, she says, it says, the woman was surprised 
For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? In verse 27, when the disciples get back, it says that they were, it uses the word shocked. They were shocked that he was talking to her. But Jesus accepted her for her without respect to her nationality or her gender or her sin or her snottiness. He, he accepted her as she was. He accepted her for who she was. He, he loved her. And he accepted her as she was. And he gave her purpose. He gave her purpose. After talking to her, you know, she goes running off into the town. Go telling everybody about this Messiah that she's met. Um, in verse 30 uh, in that chapter, it says, after she went into the town screaming and yelling and telling everybody that, it says the people of the town came streaming to see Jesus. Remember that movie, uh, Field of Dreams? At the end, people will come, and there's this like line of cars coming to see the baseball field. There, people were streaming to see Jesus. A whole a whole town of people saved, right? A whole, a whole town of people, eternities changed because of her, because of her testimony, because of her story. So Peter hasn't done anything yet, right? The great Peter hasn't done anything yet, and this whole town is saved through this woman. Prior to this, what was her purpose? Prior to this, maybe she saw her only purpose, her only value as being a wife, you know, she could fetch water, she could clean house, she could cook for a man. That's like the only reason she had to get out of bed in the mornings and nobody would have thought that she was worthy to do anything that mattered or anything that was really important. But now Jesus gives her a chance to bring her whole town to him and she does it. So this woman, I think, and her story is a perfect ending to this series because she was chosen to encounter Jesus and when she did, she experienced all of them, love, and acceptance and purpose. And I would suggest to you that everyone who has chosen to encounter Jesus experiences love and acceptance and purpose. How many of you here are Christians? Just a quick show of hands. Got some really good news for you. You have been chosen. You are the chosen. You've been chosen to encounter Jesus. And just like this woman and just like Simon and Matthew and Mary, you are loved. Jesus loves you right now, just like you are, even if you don't do anything. Jesus loves you right exactly where you are. And he doesn't want anything from you. He doesn't need anything from you. He just wants to love you. And even if you've never done anything for him, and even if you never do anything for him, Jesus loves you. Is that good news for you? That's good news. You are loved, and you're accepted, regardless of your nationality, regardless of your gender, regardless of your past, even if you're kind of snotty like that girl, right? Even if the world has convinced you that you're not good enough, or you're not smart enough, or old enough, or young enough, or pretty enough, or rich enough, or successful enough, or talented enough, even if you feel like you've done things to disqualify you from Jesus, with Jesus, your past doesn't determine your future. You are loved and you are accepted and you have purpose. You have purpose. Uh, Rick Warren wrote a great book, Purpose Driven Life, and he listed five purposes that every human was created for. You're created to worship God, right? Just to honor him with your life and to give him pleasure. 
You're created to have relationships with God's family. You're created, we call it sanctification. You're created to become more and more like Jesus and be changed into his likeness. These are your purposes. Your, 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 your purpose is to serve God and to serve the church and to serve his people. We always say, find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and heal it. You're, that's a purpose of yours. You have a purpose for evangelism. You have a mission to introduce people to Jesus. So all of us that have experienced Jesus, that have encountered him, we have purpose to worship and to have relationship and to be sanctified and to serve and to bring other people to Jesus. And I think that last one is, I don't know, like kind of hard for us to believe or kind of hard for us to understand. It's amazing to me that Jesus would include people like you and me and this Samaritan woman as part of his plan, but that is part of your purpose in life is evangelism, is your mission to bring people to Jesus. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 says you're God's masterpiece and he created you anew in Jesus. Listen to this, he created you anew in Jesus. You encountered Jesus, you experienced his love and his acceptance, why? It says, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You're not an accident. God created you on purpose. God created you for a purpose. And human beings are most fulfilled and most happy and most satisfied and most valuable when we're fulfilling the purposes that God designed us for. Christians, you have been chosen by God to encounter Jesus and to be loved and to be accepted and to have purpose. And I think really one of the cool things about that is since you've been chosen and since you've experienced the love and acceptance and purpose of Jesus, you don't have to ever do anything again to be loved. Isn't that a relief? You never again have to do anything to be loved because you're loved now just as you are, right where you are. Jesus loves you perfectly. Jesus loves you completely right now. And you can't do anything that will make him love you less. And you can't do anything that will make him love you more because it's not about how lovable you are. It's about how loving he is. You are loved. You are accepted. And you don't have to buy a $600 purse and you don't have to have a Rolex watch, and you don't have to have a mullet haircut to be accepted. Jesus accepts you now, even with your shortcomings, even with your current hairstyle, right? So you can, you can stop trying so hard to fit in and just rest in that. You are loved, and you are accepted, and you have purpose. The three things that everybody wants, the three things that are wired into us, there's like this, this need inside of us for love and acceptance and purpose, and they're all in Jesus. And since you don't have to waste energy trying to earn love and trying to earn acceptance, you can now invest all of your energy and all of your passion and all of your life into your purpose of worshiping God and enjoying his family and becoming like Christ and serving his people and bringing people to know him. And we do all of those things, not so that we'll be loved and accepted, but because we're already loved and accepted. So for me, it's been fun um, looking at these stories, you know, and watching the videos and, and reading their stories from 2,000 years ago. But I hope as you're kind of looking back on this last several weeks, you'll realize that the big takeaway 
the big, the big idea, the big thing that we need to wrap our heads around in this is not about people that lived 2,000 years ago. The big takeaway is if you're a Christian, you are the chosen. God has chosen to love you and he's chosen to accept you and he's chosen to give you purpose. You are the chosen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you think we're different than them or do you think we're the same as them? <laughs> we're the same, man. It's the same Jesus that we're encountering. We're encountering the same Jesus that Mary did and that Simon did and that Matthew did and that those kids did. It's, it's us. We are the chosen. And I need to know that you know that. So I'll give you a couple of choices. One, we can all get tattoos that say, I am the chosen. Who votes for that? Four. <laughs> How many of the people that raise their hand just now already have tattoos? Okay, so there you go. How many of you didn't raise your hand right now because you're scared that it hurts too much? Just tell the truth. Okay, that's option number one. We can all get tattoos. Or number two, we can just say it out loud, right? We're gonna, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm gonna get you to repeat after me with enthusiasm, right? Like people that got a good night's sleep last night, right? Like people that realize who we are in Jesus. Repeat after me. I am loved. I am accepted. I have purpose because I am chosen. And that last part is important because it's not because we deserve it. And it's not because we've earned it. It's just because you were chosen to encounter Jesus. Amen? Okay, look, before we go, there might be somebody here. Maybe there's somebody online that's never really encountered Jesus. And maybe you've been looking for love in all the wrong places. Maybe you've been trying to find love by acting the way other people want you to act or doing the things that other people want you to do. Maybe you've been trying to find acceptance by just looking like everybody else or dressing like everybody else or acting like everybody else. Maybe you've been trying to find purpose in things that don't really give purpose because they're not really eternal. Maybe you've been trying to find your purpose in work or in making money or acquiring stuff or attaining status or something. And maybe you're just tired of trying so hard to find love and acceptance and purpose. And I'm here to tell you today that you will find love and acceptance and purpose when you encounter Jesus. I promise you, if you're a believer, if you agree with that, will you just say yes? Yes, when you experience him, when you encounter him, you will experience love and acceptance and purpose. Jesus came for a reason. He came to save you from a life and an eternity without love. He came to save you from an eternity without acceptance and without purpose. He came to give you life. He said he came to give us life, but not just any life. He came to give us life more abundantly. That's a life full of love. That's a life full of acceptance. That's a life full of purpose. And I say it all the time, look, it's early in the morning, we, we, we didn't sleep last night, and yet you're in church, and yet you're online with us right now. And so I'm guessing that most of us have already encountered Jesus, but if there's somebody here that hasn't, man, maybe today is your day of salvation. Maybe today is the day that you encounter Jesus. Maybe today is the day that your whole eternity changes and all of your sins are forgiven and forgotten about, and you experience real love for the first time. Maybe this is the day that you're gonna stop trying so hard to seem religious or act good or make an impression and just accept the acceptance that he already has for you. Maybe today's the day that you realize your real purpose in this world is a relationship with God. 
If you're ready to do that today, I'm gonna lead you in a really simple prayer right now. And I tell you, I say this all the time, the words don't save you. These are not magic words, but Romans 10, 9 tells us that if you say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved from eternity without love and without acceptance and without purpose. So if you're ready to do that, I'm gonna lead you in this simple prayer. If you're already a believer, I'm gonna ask you just to say this prayer right along with us just to encourage the others. If you wanna make Jesus Lord of your life, if you wanna experience his love and his acceptance and his purpose, just pray like this. Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. But today I become a Christian and I believe in you as my risen Lord. And I'm asking you to be Lord of my life. So fill me with your spirit. Teach me from your word. Help me to live your way for the rest of my life. Thank you for my salvation. Amen. Look up here. That was really simple. That is really quick. That is really fast and really easy. But we want to help you with next steps. Sometimes walking out this new life in Jesus is not simple. And so we want to be there for you as your church. So if today is your day of salvation, if you're watching with us online, I hope that you'll put something in the comments or the chat so that we can contact you. If you're here in this room with us, I hope that you'll go back to our Connection Center and just let them know, today I decided to follow Jesus. We've got a gift for you. I want to give you a Bible that you can actually read. I would love to talk to you this week. And uh, just kind of just listen to you, hear your story, share some things with you about how we walk out our faith. If you're visiting with us, if it's your first time with us online, let us know in the comments box. If you're in the room with us and it's your first time with us, stop at the Connection Center. Just let them know that you were here. Got a little gift for you, and I'd love to contact you this week. Before I let you go, I want to remind you, make plans for Easter. We're going to be celebrating Easter together at Ranger Stadium football field over here at Smithson Valley High School. We would love to have you part of that. Um, we're asking you to come. If you can, come in person. We're asking you to pray that God will do incredible things through us and in us on that day. And we're asking you to invite your friends. And let's just bring as many people as we can and let's celebrate Jesus together on Easter Sunday. Amen? All right, you guys have a great week.